Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Ken Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is a big road trip special outside of Texas. This is Brian. And Andrew. And we are here today with... Zach Parker at B. Scott's Barbecue. And Zach, uh, you've got a, a long history in barbecue. You grew up in it. You grew up at this place. And I know that this place has a, has a long history that predates even you and your, and your dad here. So let's, uh, let's start at the beginning. Let's go back to uh, 1962. Early Scott started the business. And uh, and your dad Ricky Parker came on uh, circa 1980, uh, probably around 84, 85. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so he was working. Was he working the pits at the business? Uh, well, he, he was sort of pretty much doing everything. And uh, around 89, Early was ready to get out of it. And once he decided to get out of it, he turned it over to Dave. And this was whole hog back in the day <laughs> yes, as well, just yes. like it is today. What what Correct. kind of crowd? came out for that is that just kind of your common working man uh yeah yeah your common working man would come out um so this business didn't used to be in the city limits it used to be a two lane used to not be able to walk up to a window and walk inside it was all like an outside deal Mm -hmm. so that's uh that's how much growth you can see in this business um since it started was there a a proximity to a a pig farm or any any of Uh, that what 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 caused this location to be here you know that's a good question um it could be um partially so early's brother is the is the original person that actually started it but he didn't run it very long and he traded a, a school bus route for for the barbecue business so, <laughs> so um i'm guessing it could have been a pig farm close by and they thought hey let's let's start barbecuing hogs and see if we can make it work and it worked out great and most of what we heard about whole hog cooking is it's it's very labor intensive it takes a lot of time and it takes skill and commitment to be able to do it right and you know we've read multiple things about how it's it's more rare that you're seeing the traditional over coals burnt down from hickory, and you guys have done that from the beginning and still do that to this day. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. Wouldn't change it um, at all. I don't. I don't see the point in changing it because I feel like if you make it easier, there's no point in doing it. And, and you feel like this process is is part of what makes the the final product what it is. That's correct. That, yes. that it does take that that time and that care. So, uh, so your dad, so Ricky, took over the business in '89. Uh, you came along shortly thereafter into yep. the world, um, and you, you grew up with the business. You grew up working here, right? Correct. Yep. So, what what were you doing in those early days? Well, I, I guess I can remember. I can remember back uh, sweeping floors. You know, I can remember times when I was the one jumping up and down, wanting to put a customer's meat up on the scales, but I wasn't tall enough to reach it. <laughs> and it was almost like once I growed a little bit to make that step, I was excited. I was I was pumped about it. Was From, it was it a a fun? memory was yes, it work yes. i mean they, they didn't i would imagine a lot of times though they they put you to to sweeping and cleaning that yep, wasn't yep. wasn't as much fun as as you wanted it to be though uh the, the cleaning and the sweeping wasn't as much fun as serving the customers because <laughs> back then i was always a people person i wanted to be around the people i wanted to serve them some good food and you know that's uh that's definitely one of the earliest memories i can think of so how, how old were you when you when you first got introduced <clears throat> to the pits and and being able to take um, work with those i'd say i was around I was between 12 and 14, probably closer to 14. Um, it was probably the, around the first time I started carrying shovels of coals and, and learning the process of cooking the pig just the way Dad wanted it done. Any um, any stories from back then about how to learn and, and some of the <clears throat> maybe the hard lessons that you learned back then? Um, so I can say from, from then to now, 
there, there was a lot of times where I'd sit back and I'd, I'd tell Dad, you know, hey, this would be so much easier if we done it this way or, or you know, if we done this this way, you know. And now I sit back and I think there's, there was no other way to do it. That's the way to do it, to have the product that you want. So one of the things that, you know, we've, we've interviewed admittedly mostly Texas pitmasters dealing with offset pits and obviously not whole animal cooking for the most part. Um, what are some of the, you know, we hear all about variables and cooking brisket and humidity and moisture density of wood and all sorts of things that people go into. What are some of the variables that you encounter cooking whole hog? Well, uh, I definitely like cooking with hickory. That's about all I'll cook with. Um, I feel like humidity plays a huge part in my outside pits. Um, the moisture in the wood, that's not that big of a deal as long as you continue to have your fire going and don't slack on it. I guess um, because you're burning it to coals, you're not burning the actual correct. wood in, in the pit. Yeah, correct. It's not It's not like an offset. You know, with an offset, I can definitely see that. But um, humidity, wind, outside temperature, all plays a huge part in it. And, and you said you wouldn't cook with anything but hickory. What What is it that you um, find about hickory? Well, you know, I've tried. So when I made my trip to Australia, I was uh, I tried cooking with pecan, and, and it didn't work out. It was just not the type of wood I really wanted. They said it was similar to hickory, but hickory is a, a hotter burning coal, and it, once it gets burned down, it'll hold that temperature a little is longer. It, it, so it's not as much the flavor as the, as the way it burns and the way the coals, coals react. Correct, correct. Interesting, yeah, because we we know a lot of pitmasters in Texas that won't cook with pecan because of flavor, because sure. it's it's a it's sure. a really strong flavor. But obviously, that's a much more you're imparting the flavor much more on, you know when you're smoking the wood as opposed to burning down the coal. So that makes sense. Um, tell us a little bit about because you're everyone from what we've learned from our research provider this trip is everyone has a different way of doing their whole hogs. And t- kind of tell us a little bit about what your method is without giving away any trade secrets that you sure, want to sure. hang on to. Because by the way, your your whole hog was um, incredible. Yeah start to finish um you know we get started at seven in the morning we we pull pigs off to serve for that day that's been on for 24 hours we put new pigs on um i firmly believe in cooking them meat down the whole time um people do things differently and everybody's got a good product that i've tried um but i feel like once you, if if you cook it meat down the whole time for one you have to cook it at a slower rate than flipping it halfway through and um, you also can allow yourself a resting time at the end of the cooking process to where that meat really tenderizes and breaks down to where it just pulls right off the bone. And, and your process isn't just one long cook. You've got sure. stages that, that you work through, and, sure, and that's sure. very careful um, for you. Yeah. The first you know, the first three firings are, are real crucial to make sure you get them within every hour. And then after that, you can start telling how your meat's breaking down and how the skin of the pig looks how um, how much bone exposure there is on the feet that's the reason i cut my pig feet off so i can tell how how drawn up it's getting um and when you say uh, firing just for for the listeners what you're talking about is adding fresh coals you sure, sure you don't do it throughout the cook you have stages that you'll add it in very specific to that yes yes uh, i run it straight on a time scale and uh, I, I like to do i like to fire the pigs every hour to hour and a half so you took over the business in, in 2013 um, after your father passed. What were did you know much about running the actual business business part of it? Or I no, I didn't. Um, I knew how to run the business, um, cooking, serving. I knew all them. I knew all that parts. And, and luckily, I had a I had a group of people here in our small town that come together and sort of help me with uh, financial stuff that I needed help with, um, price and things. And I'm still working on it to this day, but. Uh, 
my head's above water and I'm cooking good barbecue, so I love it. So, so what what parts of that did you find difficult? Just, um, <clears throat> I mean, once you get away from the cook, like you said, I mean, you've got supplies that come in, you've got you've got to pay the suppliers, and you've got to keep everything from running out. Right. Um, that type of thing. No, or just um, a little... that that wasn't very difficult. I guess the uh, the hardest part of it was when Dad first passed away. I felt like uh, I should I felt like I should please everybody, and and sometimes that's hard in the world we live in today. Um, I sort of had to step back, and you can't please everybody. I mean, you come in contact with, you know, thousands of people, and, and you can try to please them all, but there's always going to be something that's not right, or, you know, you got to learn how to brush that off and keep moving forward, you know, with the product that you want to serve. And and some of that, you know, to keep along that kind of line of thought, that some of that you're kind of locked into at a certain point where you've got a menu that you need to, to stay traditional with, you've got prices that you need to stay traditional with. Just a little bit about kind of the, the difficulties of, of how you want to grow or change and then how you want to keep things traditional here at this location? Um, yes, um, I, I'd love growth, but at the same time, tradition's huge to me. Um, this place, the, our serving restaurant uh, outside of the pit room is something that's always been there, and it, it's sort of, it's been a staple in my mind ever since I was big enough to walk in the doors, you know. Uh, and with that process, you know, there come you need change to, to really help employees and your staff to be able to serve the product when you're not there to make sure it's a fine product because there's a lot of tending to it you got to keep coals under your pigs when i got them inside on our serving pit um you've got to make sure your meat's staying fresh you know whether whether that's you know saving grease and fat from the pig prior to it you, there's a lot of variables that, that play into effect the way we serve right now and so that that's one of the things that's unique to your services you you serve fresh from the hog Per, for, per order as the orders come sure, in. Sure, sure. You know, a, a lot of places they, they serve, they mix all the meat up. And, and I actually, that's the smarter way to do it because every time somebody comes in, they're getting a consistent sandwich where the way it is now, um, the way it's always been here is that somebody can come in. If they want to order white meat tenderloin, they can. If they want to order midland, they can. If they want to order shoulder or ham, they can. And that being said, you know, it works out great for them people that knows what they're ordering but if they just come in and say give me two pounds of barbecue and one of my employees has um two pounds of tenderloin there well they get it and they get it home and they was expecting something more moist than the white meat tenderloin then then i get that phone call for, for us texans that's like lean and lean and moist brisket you know we've got we've got two sides of the brisket and if if you don't ask the customer and if the customer is not aware that there are two sides that that's exactly what happens if i if i ask for moist and i get lean i'm not happy sure but i've got family members that ask for lean and if they get moist they're not happy so um it, it it's complicated but i'll tell you we we had the luxury of getting that midland today and holy oh my cow, god yeah. yeah um pork not spaghetti cow, yeah, i know there there's some some terms for it um <laughs> texas people i know uh, a lot of our listeners like good moist fatty delicious smoky meat um order the midlands when you come to be scots please um they were just incredible and that's belly meat right correct correct so yeah, yes it is it, it is it was phenomenal it I was mean, yeah it was the best whole hog we've ever had and i admitted we haven't had as much whole hog as we had brisket in our lives but my god if, if, if the rest of this trip is anything like this and i i'm unfortunately i don't think it can be because that was just delicious well and this is this is the first whole hog that we've had where there was actually we were able to get a difference right a- every place i've been to before and every place in texas it's all lumped together it's all mixed together sure. and so i, I mean it, i don't know is is it 
traditional around here that you can get each each it, option? It's very traditional. Um, as far as back as I can remember, you know, we, we I've got people that comes in here and they know each part of the pig and what they want. And uh, I guess it's my newer customers, my my younger generations that's coming in. They wasn't really taught by the older generation on how to order, and I think that's uh, that's what throws the kink in things. Yeah, I tell you, it 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 made a huge difference. I mean, I, I I'm sure the rest of the pig here is great too, but I just I just can't get off thinking how good that was. <laughs> Yeah, and and you have a traditional menu. Um, you know, as far as you, you can get, you have two different kinds of slaw. You have vinegar-based slaw and mayo-based slaw. Um, is that was that something that's always been offered here? Or is that something that you've kind of changed? Actually, the uh, the mayonnaise-based slaw it actually come about probably uh, about the time I was probably fifteen, sixteen years old. Uh, we actually had an employee that said, "Hey, you should try this." And at the time, all we did was vinegar slaw. That's all anybody ever wanted. Nobody knew. You know, we'd have a few come in want, want the red slaw or something like that. But um, anyways, once my dad was a very, very hard-headed person, and you couldn't about talk him into anything. And uh, one of his employees was like, hey, we should try this. And once it was tried, 90% of the people get the mayonnaise slaw now. So. That's what we had today. Yeah, yeah and it was yeah. great. You know, you talked about um, also serving, and, and one of the things that we, we had the pleasure to do was to actually take a tour. Um, the original building is still used, and, and you mentioned, you know, when you're serving fresh from the hog, you bring them inside, but yet you've got coals that are up underneath them to keep them warm. I mean, no electricity running here as far as that that aspect. Correct, correct. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I feel like it does add to the flavor and add to the, the process. It really does. Um is it difficult to work within that confine and and the space that you have um it is it is and and there's there's things that could be changed to make it a little different and a little easier but um hey i'm one of the people that's scared of change as well you know because i i I was raised up hey if it ain't broke don't fix it you know and it's a certain i mean i hate to use the word charm maybe but it's a certain charm to it that and and again we've talked a lot about experience and and coming to a place and being able to pass it down generation to generation and even if it's the exact same quality but but in a nice new building then it's not the same experience and and those memories aren't shared yeah right 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 you know the way our building is um the, especially our back old back pit room that i you know i only cook on it twice a year but you can walk through there and really tell all the character that the building has i mean from from it not being square to where mr early scott just added on to it or something or or the the grease on the bill on the top it's great for like it's a whole sensory overload to 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 smell see touch everything the history of the building and the history that's gone into the barbecue that's been cooked here for 50 if i can do math 56 years and counting right now um it's it's great as as we're nerds for barbecue history we do a whole series on texas history and so to see that it's it's been a treat for us we've been able to you know we have some other stops on this trip that i have some history as well and we're really looking forward to that but to us there's there's great things about the new places that are serving you know the the fancier menus and the more expanded stuff but to us we still feel like that it's essential to american barbecue whether you're from tennessee or north carolina or texas to have those places you can go to and have those historic experiences and there's there's something definitely to be said for those everything from the minute you walk up and you see the signs out front it it gives you that feeling you know rustic charm whatever and those silly stupid words but it's true i mean you you get that feeling when you walk in and you know you're going to have that experience of what it's been like and what it's been like since since early ran the place 
So let's let's give a shout out to uh, to your right hand woman. Um, she she did a great job giving us a tour, and I know she's been uh, a very important part of the business to you. So tell us a little bit about her. Well, <clears throat> she's been she's been a part of this business about as long as I have. Um, she worked for Dad, so she was trained by the best. Um, I'd have to say that without her, it'd be hard for me to keep on trucking forward because she's sort of she's the glue of of my inside process. You know from from the employees to training new employees, she makes it happen. And you, you mentioned how fast you run through the line here. So for those of us in Texas barbecue, we know that can be um, a, about a minute per person, not per order, but per person seems to be kind of a good good average. But you gave us a number. Tell us tell us how fast you run uh, through the crowd. We, we can run, you know, 13 to 14 people out of our line in about three minutes and 40 seconds. Amazing. And, uh, and you've got, you're taking multiple, I mean, we, we experienced that you're taking multiple orders at a time too. You've got one window but you're running two, three orders always, constantly through yes, that window. Yes, yes. Very impressive. But, but how many people does it usually take to keep this place running on a daily basis? Um, you know, if, if you got the right people, you know, five, five to six people on hand at all times. That, that, I mean, that's pretty incredible to, to be able to, to do the business that you guys are doing and serve customers at that pace on on a, a fairly small team of people. But if you, like you said, if you got the right people doing their jobs, that's right, that's right, that's then, right. It, then the whole, whole machine runs well. Um, so what what would you call as far as you know because we're we're new to Tennessee barbecue. This is our first trip. This is our first experience here. To you, what is Tennessee barbecue? Well, to me, Tennessee barbecue. Well, it's always been you know whole hog to me. Um, I've all I, I grew up around Ricky Parker, and, and he always claimed that if he had to change to cooking shoulders, he would stop. But there, there's a reasoning behind that, and I think that reasoning is because he. Um, grew up doing it and I, I don't think he ever wanted to change because he didn't care for it either um tennessee barbecue is all about whole hog barbecue and 24-hour process or you know some's at 18-hour process and like i said it's you know we're in an era of convenience and an era of automation and you know and there, there's there's that big thing that everyone wants they want they want it done fast they want it done easy they want to be able to replicate it every time and and I get that. I mean, that we live in a world of convenience where everything's at your fingertips on a phone. That's not what barbecue is, and that's it's one of the things that's kind of been fun for us to see everywhere we've gone is to do it the right way. Whether that's smoking a brisket, cooking a whole hog, there's there's a process that has to be done, and you can have all the modern conveniences you want, but you're not going to get the same end result if you if you cut those corners. Correct. In in Texas barbecue, we're seeing a lot of kind of different pathways that are emerging in barbecue we've got table service with kind of almost a fine dining element we've got people that are bringing in um, other flavors whether it's from other countries or uh, pastrami you know pastrami everything is is a thing in houston pastrami brisket pastrami beef ribs pastrami boudin um, just name it but there's there's a lot of different flavors that they're experimenting with in texas as as barbecue grows and now it's kind of finding its own little niches is do you see any of that happening around here? Not you necessarily, uh, particularly. Yeah, not the me. Business. Not me necessarily, but yeah, I do see. Um, I see some things that that I would like to. I would like to see in this area. Um, Peg leg porker, Gary Bringle. He does. He's got a fantastic menu. Pat Martin at Martin's Barbecue's got a fantastic menu. Um, and they they've really. I would have to say they got the dining part down pat. I would have to give them props on that for sure. But you would you would obviously have to keep. You, you can't touch this location so <laughs> that's something down the road that, that you'd have to do but it, it is interesting and, and you know we're not that familiar with this style of barbecue but but we've definitely seen it in in texas as it it grows it gets popular 
and then there's a lot of good barbecue, and so people are trying to find their own specialty and, and their own way to right. do things. Right, and, and whole hog cooking is starting to, I won't say catch on in Texas because it's still a very beef-centric state, but you're seeing it a little more, and whole hog barbecue has gotten more notoriety the last few years. Obviously, Rodney Scott winning a James Beard Award last year was, was a, a, a big public exposure for whole hog barbecue. I'll be obviously South Carolina is a little different style than Tennessee or North Carolina. Um, but you've been able to go around the world, it seems, sure, with sure. whole hog barbecue. So tell us a little bit about what are some of the some of the cool experiences you've gotten to, to do through whole hog cooking. Well, um, I was in Charleston. I enjoyed that experience. Uh, that was the first time I got to meet Rodney. Uh, food and Wine and, Festival? or uh, Yeah, that's correct. Okay. It was the Food and Wine in Charleston. Um, they showed the little video like father on me. I really enjoyed that. Uh, that that's Southern a great video. We will, yes. We'll put a link when we post this episode. It's a great video that Southern Foodways Alliance did of uh, of, of Zach and Ricky Parker. Yeah, a real good video. Um, traveled to Australia. Got to cook for a Jack Daniels event. That that was that was really good. I enjoyed I enjoyed the fire out of that one. Um, let's see. Traditional at that event as well. Yes, very traditional. Um, I would have to say the people over there really really took care of us. Got me everything I needed. Built my pits. Mortared my pits. Um, Hickory wood chipped in from the United so, States. So built, wow, built on site and then yes. and then imported and then, tore, the and then tore down after we got done cooking. Not, not that's kind of help. That's kind of help you like to find, yeah, and do it just like you do it here in Tennessee. <laughs> sure, that's sure, nice. sure. Well, you know that was that was going to be that was going to be the catch. If they weren't going to be able to make that happen, then I didn't want to do it because you don't want to go over there and cook with uh, different variables and next thing you know then it's not representative of what you do yeah Uh, completely understand that you know it's not unfortunately you know in texas we had a little smaller pits we can tow them places but uh, it's not an option for a whole lot of cooking (laughs) no because you do you do uh concrete brick um i mean these are not temporary pits of any any means and i I believe but you can correct me it's because it's going to hold the heat in better sure sure um Um, so some people will take them concrete pits and um they'll fill them full of mortar the holes sand and they they say it's a good insulator but uh i learned uh from a chef in australia that that oxygen in them holes are also a great insulator and i actually didn't know that but it's uh been true because every pit i've cooked on um i went up and cooked last year at the music city food and wine and we didn't fill we didn't fill our holes with anything and and the pigs cooked great so Well, it's still learning. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, I, f- I feel like um, when you stop learning, you might as well just quit because, like we talked about before, you're either taking two steps forward or two steps back. Absolutely, and, and it sounds like you're still taking steps forward here. Um, what's what? What do you think the future holds for for Zach Parker and and for <coughs> B. E. Scotts? You know, I really couldn't tell you. I've got a ton of ideas and a ton, a ton of things I'd like to work on, but. Um, I would hate to say I would hate to say something and it not come true, you know. Because <laughs> you know how it is. You, you change your mind about things. I would love to uh, <clears throat> come up with a concept in, in uh, remembrance of my dad, of maybe a concept of a smaller barbecue joint, but uh, everything fresh. Um, it'd be awesome to make it a whole hog barbecue joint if that was possible to do. But I would really have to work and uh, work and concentrate on replicating the product here. And uh, right now, as it sits, I'm here every night, so. You know, it's, it'd be hard to do with multiple places. Yeah, no, the, the commitment to quality is evident as soon as you walk through the door at this place. Um, we were just blown away by the entire experience. Um, can't thank you enough for, for providing everything for us and being so so generous with your time. And your staff was phenomenal. Your barbecue is incredible. 
Um, really, we were looking forward to remember this. this one. Yeah, we've yeah. been thinking about it for a long time. We're going to remember it for a long yeah, time. This, this yeah. was a bucket list stop for us from from day one when we first started putting this together. And so we were, it, it not only met but exceeded any expectations that we had. Great, that's what I like to hear. So, thank you, and people get on down to B.E. Scott's Barbecue in Lexington, Tennessee. And what hours are you open? Days? Uh, Tuesday through Friday, nine to six. Saturday, nine to four. There you have it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there it is, folks. That's the last hog trip episode from our recent trip through Tennessee and the Carolinas. It was an amazing trip. We had a lot of fun, drove a lot of miles, a little sleep and all that, but it was worth it. Once again, we've got to thank Zach Parker at B.E. Scott's, Daryl Ramey and the Ramey family at Ramey's Barbecue in Parsons, Tennessee, Sam Jones and Michael Letchworth at Sam Jones Barbecue, Brian Furman at Bees Cracklin Barbecue, the whole crew at Lewis Barbecue in Charleston, our barbecue friends we met along the way, uh, Eric, Chris, Andrew, Joe Bryant, Chris from the Oak Texas Barbecue, um, the barbecue friends that were with us in the car the whole time, Jimmy and Terry, the great states of Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. It was great to get to experience your barbecue, and we can't wait to get back. Last but not least, thank you to the listeners that have allowed us onto your phones, your car stereos, or however you consume the show. If you've been listening for 76 episodes and counting now, we can't thank you enough. It's a great thrill for Brian and I to get to share these stories week after week, and we've got plenty more in store. So make sure you're following along on social media for giveaways at Tales from the Pits on Instagram, at BBQ Podcast on Twitter. Rate us and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app, and stay tuned for more episodes coming up.